Well, my name is Pastor Jim Olson, and I have the privilege of serving here as the senior pastor of Bethel Christian Fellowship for the last now 21 and a half years, and um, what a joy it is to serve here in this house and continue to watch the unfolding of his vision for this house, to radiate life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we just want to welcome you now, Lord, as we come to receive from your word. We pray, God, that you would um, speak life to us today, even, Lord, as you have already been so gracious to hear us as we have cried out to you in worship. Lord, we sense that embrace of your love today in each of our lives. For each one here, God, that you have already spoken life. We pray now that you would speak your truth to us today in a way that we will be able to receive and hear and be strengthened and nourished and ultimately transformed. Because God, we want to be transformed into your likeness more and more as we gaze upon you and as we engage your word. Come, Holy Spirit, speak now. We are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Just to give you a little bit of context and orientation, we are in the 10th week of a study that we began back uh, in September on the tender commandments, expressions of the Father's love. And what we've been doing over these weeks is we've been taking each of the commandments that are given to us and and revealed to us in the Word, um, Exodus chapter 20 being the location of the giving of the Ten Commandments to the people of God, when the Lord through Moses, spoke to his people those things that were upon his heart for them to receive. And we've discovered that these tender commandments have been given for our good. In Exodus chapter 19, the Lord begins as he speaks to Moses and he says to him, this is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, what you are to tell the people of Israel You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be a king for me, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. Now, if you've heard echoes of those words before, you will know that the Apostle Peter spoke the same thing to us in his letter to a, a, a scattered and, and troubled and, and, and a church that was, was going through great persecution. He said, you are a chosen generation, a holy priesthood, a people belonging to God, called out of darkness into His marvelous light. It's in the context 
of the fact that He has chosen us, that we are His treasure. It is out of the context of the great love that He has shown that like an eagle, He has taken us and lifted us up. It's on that lifting that we receive these words of love written by His finger in stone. Love letter from our Papa to us. To help us know how to live in full freedom and life in a relationship with Him that is unhindered, and a relationship with one another that is unbroken. This is His heart. This is His desire for you and for me to live in fullness. The Ten Commandments have not been given to sort of confine us or imprison us or limit us. They have been given to free us, to liberate us, to release us into the fullness of what His heart is for us. This morning, we are coming towards the close of this particular series. As today our focus is going to be on tender commandment number nine. Do not bear false witness, or as it says in the NIV, in the top of your bulletin, it's written for you there, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. I've entitled the message this morning, True or False? True or false. And like with all of these commandments, in order for us to, I think, truly understand God's heart in them, we need to understand who God is and what He has said even about Himself. Because it's out of that context of what He says about Himself and what He says about us that then the very practical realities and nature of these commandments will begin to come home into our hearts. And so I want to begin with the principle, and I want to first focus for a few moments on the character of God. Because again, we need to recognize that all of these commandments are flowing out of, they're not just sort of floating there out in, you know, kind of untethered to anything else. They're flowing out of the Father's heart, out of who He is. He's just not saying things because, you know, random things he said. He's saying things that are in keeping with his very own character. Now, a couple of months ago when we were beginning the series early on, I reviewed for us the primary names of God. Let me remind you of what those are. The primary names of God as revealed in the Old Testament scriptures are First of all, Elohim, strong creator. This is the one that's introduced right in Genesis 1-1. You know, in the beginning, God. 
All right? He is the strong creator. So throughout the Old Testament scriptures, we continue to see God revealed as Elohim, strong creator. The second name that is revealed in the Old Testament scriptures of who God is, is He is Adonai, Sovereign Lord and Master. This is another of the primary names of who God is. The third name is Jehovah Yahweh. And this is the one that's perhaps most uh, common or, or understandable to us or we've heard the most because it's the most... It's the name that's used most frequently in the Old Testament to refer to God. It's the name that when you're reading through your scripture in your scriptural translation will likely have all of the letters capitalized. When it has L-O-R-D capitalized, it's speaking of Jehovah Yahweh, who is I Am. This is the name that was revealed to Moses. When he had the encounter with the living God at the burning bush, remember, and God calls to Moses and says, I'm going to send you to liberate my people. And they have this ongoing dialogue and conversation. And at the end of the day, Moses says, well, if I'm going to go there, who do I tell them? Who, who do I say that you are? Who am I going to say sent me? And God says what? He says, tell them I am that I am. The eternal, self-existent, all-present, ever-present one, I am, has sent you. And as we referenced back when we did this piece of the study, Jesus, this is one of the things that drove the religious leaders absolutely nuts. Throughout the book of John, you'll see Jesus say over and over again, I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am the way, truth, and life. I am the resurrection life. And when he said, I am, there was a resonance that came through that drew them right back to the reality. Jesus was declaring that he is Jehovah Yahweh, I am. Amen? All right, y'all don't all have to go quiet now just because the choir's done. All right. Now, in the Scriptures, in the Old Testament Scriptures, there are numerous times where there are compound names for God. Where it takes the name Jehovah or Elohim or even Adonai and and puts together other characters, other things that create these compound names for God. And what I want you to think about is that these names are like facets in a diamond. And each facet, I mean, it's one diamond, one God, but it reveals another facet of His character. Another dimension of who He is. And this is vitally important as we get here this morning to this particular scripture in in, in understanding this not bearing false testimony. We need to understand the character of God and who He is. And so the name 
One of the names that God has revealed Himself in the Old Testament Scriptures is as Jehovah El Anath. Jehovah, and notice, this is a primary, this, this compound name takes two of the primary names for God, Jehovah and El, and then adds this Anath. To it, so it's a very strong name. It's a you know a name that that speaks of who God is, and it speaks that He is the Lord God of Truth. Say that with me, Lord God of Truth. Say it one more time. He's the Lord God of Truth. This name shows up for us in the Psalms. In Psalm 31, this is the name that is given by the psalmist when speaking of God. This is a Psalm of David. Let me get you the context. I'll start in verse 1. I just have verse 5 up here. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord. The God of truth. David is surrounded by deception and lies. People who are seeking to undermine his authority, seeking his very life. And he says, God, I'm putting my, I'm, I'm casting my chips in. I'm putting everything into your hands. I'm committing myself into you. You're my rock and my refuge. Into you, you keep me free from the track, trap that is set for me. You're my refuge into your hands. I commit my spirit. Deliver me, O Lord, the God of truth. Extra sermon points available this morning. If you can tell me where else in Scripture this shows up. Yeah, and at the cross. Jesus at the cross, Stephen when he was getting stabbed. Both of them drawing on. And what are they drawing on? Those words are not disconnected, sort of just a phrase that's out there. They're flowing out of a recognition that God is the God of truth. Lord, I'm committing my my life into your hands because you are true. And therefore you are faithful. Therefore I can trust in you. Isn't that good? Man, that just, I don't know about you, but that's just, that's like air in your lungs this morning. God, you are the, remember that. There's a whole lot of dust in the air and on the airwaves around you every day. You're listening to a whole lot of stuff. Consciously or unconsciously, there's a lot of stuff that's coming. It's not true, but I want to proclaim to you this morning. That as we have stood here this morning and have lifted our hands and made declaration to the Lord, we have made our declaration and we have committed ourselves and surrendered our lives into the hands of the God who is truth. 
who is true. Jesus answered. When he's talking to his disciples, we don't know the way you're going. We don't know. We don't know what's going on. Help. And Jesus says, I am. Here's one of those I am's. Not disconnected from everything else, but right a part of the heart of the Father. Right a part of... He's speaking as God Himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. I am. I am. He's having this conversation with Pilate the, the night before His crucifixion. And Jesus says to him, when they're talking about truth, Jesus says, this is the reason, the reason I was born. And came into the world. is to testify to the truth. Testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. One more scripture for us. Further on in his conversation, Earlier on, I should say, in the conversation that he has with the disciples, just as they're preparing to go to the garden and they're talking and they're having, they're at the table sharing Passover together and he's having this conversation with them and they're very concerned about the fact that he's leaving. And he says, but, but let me tell you, let me, let me remind you of something. But when he, the spirit of what? The spirit of what? The spirit of what? Truth comes. He will guide you into all... What? He's going to guide you into what? Truth. This is, again, so important in a world where there's so much falsehood, where there's so much deception, where there's so much dust in the air. For you and I to remember today that He is truth and has sent to us Himself the Spirit of truth to guide us and lead us into truth. So you can know truth through Him. Let's He is the God of truth, the God of reality, the God of faithfulness. He sees things as they actually are, not how we perceive them, but as they actually are. And He's true and He's faithful. Don't you just love Him? Don't you just love Him? I'm so grateful. That with everything else around us shifting, boom! Great is your faithfulness. True are your promises. The very things we sung about today. Thank you, worship team. Boom! Right there. Put your feet down. Stand. All right. The principle here as well now, as we come, we're, we're going we're to come into the, 
just a moment, we're going to actually come into the commandment itself, but I need to give you this background because this is what's around that reality, the character of God's people. The character of God's people. Leviticus 19 says this, Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. And all of these phrases, don't just buzz by them. This is, I am the Lord. I'm Jehovah. I'm Yahweh. I am speaking this to you. Don't hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so that you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So here, Leviticus is starting to to give us some context about the heart of his people and the actions of his people. In your heart and on your lips. Do not allow slander. Do not allow anything that endangers your neighbor's life. Do not allow bearing a grudge. Do not allow seeking revenge. This is not a part of the character of God's people. It just isn't. In the New Testament, we are given this instruction Again, by the Apostle Paul, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you, live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak what? Speak what? Truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body. Because we are all members of one body, because we are actually integrally connected with one another, As part of the very character of who we are, we are to speak truth to one another. In other words, we are to reflect the character of God in that we have the opportunity to walk and the obligation to walk in truth, reality, and faithfulness. In the greatest capacity we can. I mean, we are not God, so we do not see everything in the fullness that He sees it. But we ask Him, we come to Him, the Spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. We ask Him to come in and change our very thought patterns, our very heart attitudes, the very actions that we do in order that they come more and more and more into conformity with Him and His truth. In other words, it should be said of the people of God, they walk in truth. All right. Let's talk about the practicals. Let's unpack the practicals here for just a moment. Proverbs talks about the power of words. Proverbs 18.21 says this, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. You've all heard the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. True or false? 
deeply false. Not even like a little bit false, like absolutely false. In our tongues, upon our tongues, the words that come out of our mouths have power. The power of life and death. I don't know about anybody else, but that kind of sobers things up in a hurry, doesn't it? Really does. So there are a couple of options. Here, well, first of all, from the book of James, chapter 3. Sorry, I don't have the, uh, the actual, let's see, that'll be James 3. So those of you who are taking notes can get that down. All right, there we go. That'll be James 3, starting in verse 5. All right? 5 and 6. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Oh my goodness. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Let's talk about reality here. Our words affect our lives and the lives of those around us with greater impact than we realize. Our words impact. They affect our life and the life of those around us. More than we realize. Much more than we realize. This is why the Lord thought it important to include on the ten things that were most upon His heart this instruction that you're not going to give false testimony against your neighbor because your words have power. The context here is a, is a legal context. And bearing witness and false testimony is, is, is in the context of a court proceedings. But the application of that is that as we live our lives out before the Lord in the court of daily life, in the reality of daily life, we have basically a couple of choices here. We can do words that wound or words that heal. In the Psalms, the psalmist again says, you use your mouth for evil and harness your tongue to deceit. That's a powerful picture. You use your mouth for evil and you harness your tongue to deceit. You sit and testify against your brother and you slander your own mother's son. The person closest to you, your brother, your very own brother, you slander them. You speak deceit about them, words that are false. You won't. Your 
Hosea, there is only cursing and lying and murder, stealing and adultery. They break all bounds. Look at where lying is. Right am- and cursing is right among murder, stealing and adultery. God is rather serious about this. Because of this. Because of this. Listen to this. Because of this, the land dries up and all who live in it waste away. The beasts of the field, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea are swept away. There is death and destruction that's happening because of words that are being spoken. Hosea says, our words can damage, damn, and destroy. I want to tell you this story. This is shared by Ron Mel. He shares this story in the context of understanding this. It's powerful. A middle-aged pastor in a small farming community in the Midwest had been falsely accused. It was a vicious, scandalous story, and it swept through town like a prairie fire. Have you heard about the pastor? Can you believe it? He had to leave town. You'd never think such a thing to look at him, would you? Guess he had a lot of us fooled. His poor wife. After a period of time, however, the rumor was found to be just that, an ugly, empty rumor without any basis in fact, but the damage had already been done. Many people in the town had believed every word and were now reluctant to revise their opinions. Well, there must have been some truth in it, or why would everybody be talking about it? Sometime later, the couple who had spread the false tale came under conviction of sin and went to the pastor to apologize. Confessing that they had known the rumor to be false all along, they asked the offended man for forgiveness. Of course I'll forgive you, he replied gravely. But could I ask you to do something for me? Something that might seem rather strange at first. Relieved that the pastor was willing to forgive, the couple readily agreed to do whatever he asked. All right, he said, here's my request. I would like you to go home and butcher one of your chickens. Pluck out all of its feathers and put the feathers in a bag. Could you do that for me? They nodded. Yeah, they could certainly do that but it seemed so strange. Was the man asking for a chicken? Next, the pastor went on, I'd like you to go throughout the town and at each corner scatter some of the feathers, just a few from the bag. Then please take the remaining feathers, climb to the top of the old city water tower, you know, the one by the feed store, scatter those to the wind. Could you do those things? Well, they were mystified by this point, but nodded in the affirmative once again. Fine, the pastor said, just fine. The couple stood up to leave, but as they reached the door, he suddenly called them back. Oh, there's just one more thing, please. After you've finished scattering all the feathers, I'd like you to go back through town and gather them up all up again, okay? Now make sure that you pick up every one that you've dropped and every one that you've scattered to the winds. Put them all back in the bag. Please be careful that none of the feathers is missing and bring the bag back to me. Could you do that for me? The couple just looked at him. Pastor, that's impossible, the man said. The wind will have blown them all over three counties by then. The pastor didn't say a word. And slowly the truth of his word picture began to dawn on the couple. And they hung their heads. Yep, they could be forgiven for their actions, but no one could undo the damage that had been done by scattering their false and slanderous words. Why would God include this command? You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor as one of the ten. What does this command have to do with God's love for us? It amazes me to realize that out of the ten commandments, two of them concerned here are use of our tongue. Killing by the words 
that we speak. Powerful people. Powerful. Powerful. Our words can damage, damn, and destroy. On the other side, our words can heal. Our words can heal. This is good news. A truthful witness saves lives. But a false witness is deceitful. But a truthful witness, what? Saves lives. Lives are saved by truthful witness. Somebody coming to the defense saying, no. Lives can be saved. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, healing to the bone. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It's connected right there by your words. What are you saying? Are your words bringing health? Life? Deliverance? Uplifting? I've shared this many times, but I'm going to share it again in this context. Men went through and studied, and this was people in the church. And he did a survey, and he did it all over. And he found this to be true. He said, 80% of our thoughts about ourselves and other people are negative and critical. 80% of our thoughts are condemning of other people. Well, who in the Scripture is the one who condemns? 80% of the time we're in agreement with the enemy about ourselves and about other people? Lord, have mercy. Help us. Because if that's what's in our minds, guess what's coming out of our mouths? Penalty. The judges must make a thorough investigation if the witness proves to be a liar, giving false testimony against a fellow Israelite, then do to the false witness as that witness intended to do to the other party. You must purge the evil from among you. In other words, to the extent that you're seeking to tear others down... The reality is your own life will be torn. That's just the way it is. So the incredible example of that, I won't take time this morning because of the sake of time, but I would encourage you to read 1 Kings 21. There's a cautionary tale. We've just read this recently in our Saturate. We're almost through the historical books. This week we're studying Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther this coming week, and then we'll be taking a pause. And I want to invite you back in. If you've been backed out, I'm going to invite you back in. First of the year we're going to start now with the wisdom books, Job and Psalms and Proverbs. I invite you to start reading from Thanksgiving through Christmas and New Year. You can start getting ahead, because I know sometimes it gets a little discouraging when you get behind but I encourage you to get ahead. But there's, there's, I mean, 
we're reading this, we're saturating ourselves in the Word for a reason because here are words that bring life to us and speak to our the, the realities. And Ahab and Jezebel, Jezebel, you know, she stirred up Ahab into a slanderous situation with a vineyard. And there was incredible destruction. Naboth lost his life in the midst of it, but so did Ahab and Jezebel. They paid a they paid a penalty. Their very lives. Finally, there's the practice. So let's just bring this home. I think you've got the picture. Let me just put the exclamation point on. The psalmist says, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May these words of my mouth. Jesus says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Here we've got to, we've got to, we've got to face reality. And the words coming out of our mouth are not what we would hope them to be. And we say, well, I didn't really mean that. Yes, we did. We really did mean that. Somewhere within us there was lodged these thoughts or this attitude was lodged there. And out of that came these words. So what do we do? We say, oh God, I repent. Help me. Help us, Jesus. Keep clearing that out. Because you want your life full of good things. So that what's... Because, you know, I don't have all the water here this morning, but you know the picture I've shared with that many times. Out of the flow, out what you're full of, what your heart is full of, that's what's going to come out of your life. It's either going to be living water or it's going to be poison. And if we as a house have a calling to radiate life and joy, that's going to radiate out of the words coming out of our mouths. In fact, as a house of prayer for all nations, that becomes even more significant and important. How we speak with with both courtesy and with with even more than that, with, with deep love and affection towards one another, towards people who are different than we are. Have you have you kind of noticed that right now in our culture there's this sort of this rising tide of division over all kinds of things, political, ethnic philosophical, religious, I mean, all kinds of things. There's just all this stuff pulling us apart. And part of what's feeding that is a a rhetoric. A constant speaking that is corrosive to the very soul of our culture and country. I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not trying, this isn't a political statement. This is just a, this is just reality. So one of the things that we have the opportunity to be 
to this world around us, right here at Bethel Christian Fellowship, is a micro, microcosm, thank you, I'll get the word, microcosm of something better, the kingdom of God. Which is every tribe and tongue and nation and people group around the throne singing, Hallelujah! Where there isn't us and them, there's we. There's, I mean, there's incredible, powerful potential here to be a healing community in our broader community. I believe that's really what God's called us. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be grandiose here. I think that's a calling to be a healing community. To model and live something different in the world. Because he ain't going to band-aid it together. As I heard at a forum, I don't know if that was this week or the week before, the weeks are running together, but um, there's a new book out called Bloodlines. It says the blood of Jesus is thicker (laughs) and stronger and greater than the bloodlines of anything else. We are part of the bloodline of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, worship team, come on up. Help us. I just, if it's okay with you all and whoever's back on PowerPoint, I, we haven't, I, I just had this song come up in my spirit this past week, and we haven't sung it in forever, but we sang it this morning already. But if it'd be okay, could we just sing that? Great is the Lord, He is holy and just. By His power we trust in His love. Great is the Lord, He is faithful and true. By His mercy He proves He is love. Let's just, I don't know, close by declaring the greatness of the Lord again this morning. And can we stand together to our feet? And as we do this and after we sing this declaration, I'm just going to pray a prayer of a confessional prayer for us as a congregation of healing and grace and ask the Lord to minister to our very lives and and our tongues and the things that we've spoken of this morning. But let's do that prayer in the context of this declaration. Come on. Great is the Lord. Hallelujah. If you would just open your hands now. Just open your hands. Lord Jesus, we confess before You. First of all, we come in agreement. This confession is simply coming in agreement with You. We come in agreement with the reality that You are God, Lord of truth. You are Lord, God of truth. You are Lord, God of truth. Declare it with me. You are Lord, God of truth. Come on, declare it with me. You are Lord, God of truth. Lord, we also come in agreement with the reality, Lord, that our hearts and words have not always accurately reflected that reality. And so, Jesus, every single one of us in this room have spoken words that wound or have received words that have wounded us. And we just pray right now 
in this holy moment that you would cleanse us. You said that if we confess our sins before you, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleansing us from all unrighteousness. So we confess today, Lord, that we have broken this commandment. And Lord, because of that, other lives have been injured and wounded. And our lives have been injured and wounded because of others who have broken. So God, we need your healing right now. Come and restore us and cleanse us and forgive us and free us. Please, God, have mercy. Have mercy upon us, oh God, today. And heal us, Lord, we pray. And I just feel specifically directed, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to just go there. I just had this picture earlier in prayer before service. I know that there's some of you who grew up perhaps in an incredibly corrosive environment. And your life, the foundation of your life was just undermined by words that were spoken about you. And I just want to ask right now for the grace and mercy of the Lord to come and to heal you in that place right now. That you could hear that you are beloved of the Lord. When He sees you, He doesn't see those things that were spoken about you. He sees you as you are. A treasure. A masterpiece of His. So I want to speak life into you today, right now, in Jesus' name. On the other side of that coin, there are some of you who have struggled for a long time with anger. And there's just a deep wellspring that that anger comes forth. And it, you don't even want it to, but it just suddenly, boom, outcome words that are like little hand grenades, sometimes big bombs that explode in the lives of people around you. And then you walk around in shame afterwards realizing, oh man, I did it again. I didn't want to. But I did it again. And I want you to know this morning that there is healing and deliverance available. That God is bigger. We... we they, Everybody on this worship team and everything that was said this morning spoke of the, of the power of God to break those things. And it's not enough to say, well, that's just the way I am. God doesn't leave us just the way we are. He loves us so much, He changes us. And if you need help with this, we have a live streams prayer ministry that would love to pray with you. We've got elders and, and, and other leaders and support folks and, and prayer folks that would love to support you and pray with you in this matter because I know this can be a lifelong challenge that, but, but there's victory and that's what I want you to know this morning. God wants to bring you into victory and into true freedom for your sake and the sake of those around you. So I want to speak life to you this morning. There's forgiveness. If you will simply repent this morning, there's forgiveness and the, the slate is clean. Just ask Him today for forgiveness, Jesus, and ask Him for help. Lord, have mercy. Come and touch. 
Jesus, help us as a people, as a house here, to radiate your life and joy with our words and actions, with the attitudes of our heart, Jesus. May the very psalmist, what he said, be true in us. May these words in my mouth, may this meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord. And again, with open hands, I pray now that you would be filled afresh with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, with the inexhaustible strength and power, comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours as you go from this house to your house, sent to make disciples of all nations. Go with the banner of His goodness and favor over your lives. May His grace chase you down this day until we gather again either in this house or in our eternal home. I bless you, people of God. Bethel Christian Fellowship, this house of prayer for all nations. I bless you in the name of the Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.